concentric position, and Benoit. Oh, there he goes, there he goes, it's going. Benoit, look at Benoit. Benoit's hanging onto that head like a damn lock in a pit bull right Benoit's a holding and holding. He's holding. He's going to tell Peter. Oh, my God. Peter. Oh, my God. He's, He's going to go. Benoit. Look at Joe. Can he do it? Hang on, show. Joe's Peter. Hang on, show. Let's go. The entire episode is me eating Fritos. Just putting all of them in your mouth. Yep, all of Frito is in my mouth. Did you get the warning that you were being recorded? That's when I, that's when I went straight into character. Yeah. Hey, funny story about around. that. Well, first of all, welcome. Hello and welcome. This is episode 106 of Tell Me Where to Turn. We've now recorded 105 episodes without figuring out how to monetize this thing. So why not record one more? But 107 will be the episode of Blue Chew, so get ready. <laughs> yeah, we'll have a sponsor after the weekend, no doubt, as we get out to the greater Phoenix metropolitan area and speak with the people of Arizona and the WWE and get some word out about the podcast and yeah, we'll have some some mid episode sponsor reads to to go through. I'm sure. So, are there a lot of indigenous people in the Phoenix area? Is that a uh, is that a country? <laughs> Wait a minute. Is that a state where the uh, <laughs> the true inhabitants of this country uh, have a big presence? So I believe the uh, name of the arena we're going to would in, be indicative that that is the case talking stick yeah arena so what i was thinking of is i've got this great idea for a bit right so we either need point break dave to do it or do either of you guys know a way to get a hold of joey logano (laughs) (laughs) no no not an an effective way because you said we were going to go to phoenix we were going to talk to people i think we should have point break dave just smirk at people and not say anything and that could be our way to embrace the community I I really thought you were going the true detective route and you were just going to make a joke about the parking lot having go-karts with <laughs> trash trailers behind them. So what you're saying is that does that's not what really is going to happen? I don't know. We'll find out. I think uh, Arizona's an interesting state. They seem to be kind of late to the game on stuff. Like, I'm not sure whether they observe daylight savings time. And if they do, it was well after everyone else well i was trying to figure that out when i was looking at the time my flight leaves and when it lands so i'm hoping they're at least one hour behind because if not then i got like a four and a half hour flight in store and i can't imagine it's that long they're no they're two hours behind you one hour behind us but shouldn't that work in my favor i don't i don't know i'm not in are math. you in a different time zone no, in I'm, central, aren't I'm you? in central time. Yeah. But my flight leaves at 8.30. Oh, wait, you are? 
<laughs> We've had this conversation before. This is not a good conversation. This is this is not compelling content. Like we are not going to get a sponsor having this conversation. Maybe we should. What? Let's Maybe just start <laughs> reset and introduce ourselves. I thought we did that. No. Episode one. You can find me uh, on Twitter at Tommy Two Underscore Zero. I'm working on changing my handle to the Nashville Flash, but I haven't got all the uh, logistics worked out with legal yet. You can find me at Glenn Three Four Eleven here on the official podcast of Time Zones. <laughs> And you can find me at point break underscore Dave. So I wanted to talk about Arizona being late to the game. We just uh, we just celebrated a very special holiday this past Monday. And I'm pretty sure they were the last state to adopt <laughs> Martin the Luther King as deserving of a holiday. They were like, oh, we need to think about this for a while. We're not exactly sure what we think about MLK. So I just want to throw that out there and maybe... Arizona's not here to defend itself, but can I don't I, uh, know what else we're going to run into this week. All right. Tomorrow, I guess. I think you guys Along... are both going to run into a spear from me as soon as I see you. <laughs> Along that uh, holiday, did you uh, want to share the text I got from Tommy? Glenn, did you watch the beginning of Raw? Uh, I saw the whole thing. Yeah, so do you, I definitely do you remember the how they started? That's a very weird way of answering that question. Did you see the beginning of Raw? I saw the whole thing. So yes, I also saw the beginning. Uh, yeah, it was a touching tribute. The the text I get from Tommy is, "Hey, who is this guy they're doing the promo for? Is he going to be in the Rumble?" So there's been a lot of surprise entrants over the years. So insensitive. <laughs> Well, the podcast that you had me listen to earlier this week proposed a Bones versus Bones match between Chris Benoit and Owen Hart, so I don't see how it's any more insensitive than that. Well, we're going to Arizona. I was wondering, uh, you think Jared Loeffner might be, he might walk out there? Well, I was kind of hoping, hoping John McCain would come out and ring the bell, <laughs> like the ceremonial bell. Do you think that could happen? <laughs> How's he doing these days? I think, I think he's doing great. Yeah, he's locked in a cage he's not ever going to get out of. It's a tough one for old. That's a war hero right there. For what, most, what I if, know for what Tommy if he thinks a, he's not Trump supporter. What if he thinks he's not going to get out of the cage and then next thing you know, Roman Reigns spears him right out of the cage, <laughs> but his feet don't touch the ground first? Could that happen? 50-50 shot. What time does you guys flight land? Uh, I can look it up real quick. Well, it's I not think that it's, important. I just I feel like I think my we're an hour longer than you. I estimated. Yeah, I think we're an hour before you. Maybe you're stopping somewhere. This not is this stopping. is probably uh, this is probably off podcast talk. Do you know how much money I pay for my plane ticket? I'm not stopping anywhere. Believe oh, me. All right. So I've got something to start us off here. I want you to see though. I've got two pages of notes on True Detective. Okay. We're not going there yet, though. I want to talk to you guys about the gym uh, and specifically the uh, situation I'm running into. Have either of you guys ever done the uh, company gym or you're working out with people from your company? I've never worked at a company that was large enough to have a gym. Same here. We have a very small fitness center in my building, but it's it's basically like a 
be like if the Hampton Inn had a fancy <laughs> weight room with a bench in it is basically what it is. So it's as I walk by, I just, I just glance in and I'm like, yeah, I'm not ever going in there. That's basically the extent of it. Well, here's the situation I find myself in uh, as I'm well, about 60 days into the new job. And, you know, I think the main thing you want to do in the first 90 days is really position yourself in a position where you're being respected by your coworkers. Obviously, earn their respect. <laughs> Are you? Do you have dice or something you're rolling there? I don't know what's what's going on. You need to focus on the podcast. Off mic right now. He's just checked out to eat some Fritos. So again, not to uh, not to brag too much, but I'm in a I'm in a position now where there are people in my part of the organization that report to people that report to people that report to me. That's I just, just wrap your mind around that. So one of these such individuals uh, and I have apparently have an affinity for working out at the same time every single day. This individual is four rungs down on the org chart from you. Yeah. So this guy reports to somebody that reports to somebody that reports to me. All right. You got your mind right with that. Is he indigenous? Let's put it this way. If we were going to start a football team and we needed some people that could just go out there and run like a 4-2 and didn't ever need to come to practice, this guy would be your guy. And this guy actually and I, um, we've shared some common ground, but he, uh, despite your claims, he actually did verified play Division One college basketball. Okay. So. Uh, Where at? Uh, you know, I I don't recall, but uh, it wasn't it was not it was a smaller program. I would say a mid major or below. He didn't play uh, he didn't play for a, a powerhouse. Uh, okay, but he did play Division One counts. basketball. It was a college that had a basketball team. <laughs> I believe it was the University of the United States. <laughs> okay, but this guy also uh, is very close friends with Cam Newton, which I think I've shared before with you guys, uh, where they actually hang out. So he's pretty well connected into the uh, Tennessee athletic scene knows a lot of the players on the Va the current Vanderbilt team. I'm not a, I'm not a big basketball fan, but he, he drops a lot of names. Very nice guy. We get along very well. I do find that when I'm around him, I do the Norm Donnie thing a little too much. Like I'm calling him hey, bro Holmes. and stuff. Like I always like, I, I always feel horrible. Like tonight, today I was like, Hey, see you later, brother. And I was like, I don't call people brother. Like, what am I doing? <laughs> What are you, Hulk? Yeah. My wife accuses my wife accuses me that if I'm ever talking to an African American, that I talk in a deeper voice. I I, I think I do the same thing. I, I I think I'm guilty of all these charges. So we've been we've been working out the same time for weeks now. I mean, basically since since the first of the year when I uh, made a New Year's resolution to start working out. And, uh, and this guy, I mean, what he's doing in there is so far and above anything I'm capable of doing. And that's fine because this is a, this is a large man. And, uh, that leads me to my next point. <laughs> so how am I supposed to command respect when we're having a conversation today in the bathroom and he basically <laughs> just throws the shumper out while we're talking and just continues the conversation. So remember four rungs above this guy in the organization, but now I feel like I'm about ten and a it's, half rungs below him. <laughs> I was say, it's like he can reach you now. <laughs> he just throw, 
throws it up there like a grappling hook and climbs to your level. No, you know, you know a guy that's played Division One basketball and knows what's up when he's just when we're just having a conversation, actually talking about some organizational changes are coming up, and then all of a sudden the next thing I know, you just hear a thud. Somebody sounds the forty-yard dash, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I suddenly, I suddenly don't feel like the. Uh, the manager anymore. I feel like the, uh, the guy that's like, yes, sir. Uh, what can I do for you today? Well, Man. it's good to hear. He's got that going for him. Yeah. Cause you know, know, like he... when your boss's boss's boss reports to Tommy, when you're hanging out with Cam Newton, you don't have a lot of common interest, but at least he's got that. Wow. That's disturbing. Yeah, no, it is. Uh, I've got a say the least. I've got a meeting with him tomorrow. I'm probably gonna have to cancel it now. <laughs> this happened this morning, so it was a little still a little shell shocked as it were. I'm the guy Can that's I... like wrapping two towels around myself while I'm walking to the shower. <laughs> <laughs> Just to be extra safe. Can another another is, item hold on, wait. Is that gonna eventually as Tommy's talked about the the lifespan of the uh work Christmas party with alcohol is the corporate gym gonna eventually go away because of things like that <laughs> no I mean actually it makes me uh it makes me want to like go there more often when you guys see the shirt I'm gonna be wearing Sunday at the Royal Rumble all the dots will start to connect even more as I tease ahead another thing yeah. that's been happening so we're new we're new to town is We've got the neighbors bringing us over baked goods now. That's nice. Things white people do. Yeah. So the uh, also the, true. The gentleman in the property uh, that backs up to ours brought over a really nice tray of brownies last week. They were really good. So today, uh, my wife got a text message from another person in the neighborhood, and they said. Uh, Hey, you know, have you met this guy? And we said, yeah. Uh, he brought us some really delicious brownies. They said, oh, well, he had a heart attack. <laughs> and uh, he may no longer be with us. Oh, but actually, no. that was a, a false alarm. Apparently, he's still alive in the hospital. But um, I and think I'm Tommy... probably not going to eat the rest of those brownies just to be on the same side. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, and I went to visit him and brought him a half a tray of brownies. <laughs> <laughs> no, what I wanted to ask you guys about the baked goods, though, is we've had three or four people. Do you guys, would you and do you eat those when that happens? Because I've eaten every single thing I got. No, we've had people in our neighborhood do it around, you know, Christmas or whatever, and I, I don't touch them. So is that because you're worried your neighbors are out to get you or? I assume everyone's out to get me. <laughs> Just worried about the chain of custody on the brownies? I don't know what the uh, hygiene in their kitchen is like. I'm not going to trust it. Yeah, our our neighbors usually don't. If they do anything like that, they're not baking it themselves. They just go out and, you know, they'll bring something that's just clearly it's bought, sealed. Like we have a neighbor that brings like popcorn right. for, during July 4th and stuff like that. So you don't have to worry about them putting the x lax in there or anything like that? No, not at all. You have to do that yourself? Yeah, hold on. So Glenn's okay. taking a personal phone call. Okay. During the podcast. 
if that was someone over the age of seven, then you need to let it be known that that's unacceptable. Just barely. <laughs> so anyway, as we're completely sidetracked now, but no, we didn't have any. I don't think we've had anybody bake us stuff and just, yeah, not just random person in the neighborhood. I don't know. I'd probably eat it anyway. Yeah, everything's been really yeah, good. Just take I'm, the chance. I uh, I'm still maintaining my health, so I feel like it's a win-win. And and also, what a friendly neighborhood. They're bringing us baked goods. Yeah. See, there you go. Yeah, things are shaping up here in the TriStar area. Can I cover a current event with you guys? Yes, absolutely. I think this is a a good forewarning, probably for Dave more than anybody else, as we plan to get on a flight in the very near future. Did you hear about this uh, former TCU student who has been sentenced to six months in a British jail for his behavior on a flight? Was it Trayvon Boykin? It was not. I have not heard this. It was a young man by the name of Jeffrey Libby, who goes by Tanner, which is real confusing. I don't (laughs) see how you get Tanner from Jeff. (laughs) But he is serving six months in a British jail after pleading guilty to three counts of assault on a on a flight from London to Dallas. So apparently back about a month ago, shortly before he got on this flight, he got a breakup text from his girlfriend. Uh-oh. He then proceeded Glasgow kiss, kisses all the way around. <laughs> so on the flight, uh I guess he brought a liter of Bacardi onto the flight which he drank the entire thing during the course of the flight. The plane hit some turbulence, and he he became upset and began, began to punch and kick the seat in front of him. Crew members asked him to calm down, but instead he spit on and bit the crew members who tried to restrain him. So what they had to do was they had to turn around the flight. They had to dump, I, I can't remember how many tons of fuel into the into the poor ocean and then return to london and land oh no that yeah that's if you got to turn the flight around so they're out they're over the atlantic yes i don't know how far though they didn't say how far into the flight they were and that's probably uh i'd say that's a nine to ten hour flight if i'm remembering correctly so they have to they have to dump fuel because it's too heavy to land? Is that the... I guess, I guess so. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> right. Because for an international flight, you'd be, you'd be taking on some pretty serious tonnage of fuel. And I wonder if they that... turned around because he was a British citizen and the authorities that needed to deal with this situation would be better suited if they were in their home country and not uh, you know, in America. Well, I don't know if he's a British citizen or not doesn't actually say that. Sully would have just well, landed it in the ocean. Libby. I'm sorry, no, his, Were you going to make yeah, a Sully joke? <laughs> I was just saying he would have just landed in the ocean. No need to turn around or dump fuel. I feel like that the pilot really missed an opportunity to, to kind of salvage the situation because you know how that they, when somebody has a medical emergency, they'll say, well, is there, you know, is there a doctor on board that, you know, would be willing to assist? I, I feel like this would be a, logical time to say, well, is there a member of the shield on board of the hounds of justice that would be willing to come out here? 
Or or is there a girl on boy on board that wants to be this guy's girlfriend? <laughs> Apparently <laughs> that's what set go. it set well, it off. I mean, I didn't get to the point as to who was at fault here, and clearly it's her. You know, <laughs> she sends a text over international waters. I mean, what do you expect a guy to do, man? And this guy, I I I'll probably send this to Ginsburg to see if he knows this guy. I mean, this is just like big time douchebag. So. <laughs> So sorry, uh, sorry, Tanner. You'll be doing the next six months in a London jail. So hopefully they have the WWE Network in jail because there's a big weekend coming up in the world of the... professional wrestling. And we have it's made this here. We've made this trip even more wrestling intensive in the last few days by jumping on the NXT tickets. Yeah, I gotta commend Glenn. I think that was a really good good addition to uh to the trip to to make the call there and say hey we're gonna be there anyways we might as well invest a little more money and go to the talking stick i mean that's what we're there for certainly not there to talk to any of you guys there to see fake sports choreography i was getting caught up on the last few episodes of nxt it's gonna be good man yeah, I was good. a little disappointed to see the Velveteen Dream will not be on the card due to contractual issues with Vince McMahon. Apparently, though, that's all that's all a work. Yeah, but it all but it also means that he's not going to be uh, competing at the event, which is disappointing because that is the one person I really did want to see live and in person. Well, let's just say this: I may be wearing a Velveteen Dream T-shirt anyway, <laughs> and. Seriously, I don't want to oversell it, but you guys are not going to want to sit with me Sunday. <laughs> when you see I, when you see what I purchased, and let me tell you something. I I've spent I've invested some money in this because I was a little late to the ordering game, so the shipping that I had to pay to ensure that it would be here actually cost more than the shirt itself. That's how committed I am to this bit. <laughs> I'm tempted. I'm not going to do it, but I'm tempted to essentially just bring an empty bag on the fly <laughs> with me, and all of my clothes are going to be what I buy while I'm there. I'm I like it. quite that bold, but I'm I'm tempted to try to pull that. Yeah. There will be plenty of opportunities for new merchandise. Oh, yeah, definitely. So let's just go... Um, straight to the rumble. So I, I had a thought today. Let me ask a ask a question. So they only announce who's going to be the thirtieth person out, right? Correct. Yes. So they don't. Obviously, the first person, we have no idea. No, everything else, the element of surprise is for the audience is there in a big way. So it would, it would obviously mean he had zero, pretty much zero chance of winning it, but. Could we start the Royal Rumble with the gentle strum of a guitar? The middle <laughs> I, think of the ring? Would, I think that I had the same thought as you. I think that would be a really funny mm -hmm. way to to start it because one, the crowd would love it. And then two, it would actually give him the opportunity to do something a little more than he would be if he came in in the middle of the event. Yeah. I think there's a lot. I think, I think that if I was a betting man, I would not bet against that being the case. Seems to make a lot of sense. As I've thought and I've prayed about this a lot lately. <laughs> you know the <clears throat> one very uh, unstable part? If you 
try to think logically through the Royal Rumble. <laughs> Hold on, that that takes a lot. This may, is, yeah, this may not be a good exercise in mental gymnastics for you, Dave. I'm not sure. There's there's no no real rule or referees forcing you to get into the ring. Because occasionally, like the Jerry the King Lawler did a bit one time where you know he came in whatever tenth. And he just didn't get in the ring for a long time. Yeah. Because if you're not in the ring, you can't, can't get thrown, thrown out. out. So and I think that'd be pretty over, funny. Over the ropes? Yeah, over the top. So if, like Elias is announced, you know, whatever, 12th, and he just sits up on the stage and just starts playing <laughs> while the rumble's going on. Also a good idea. No, I, I think I think we're gonna be in for a treat though, because I think they're gonna there's gonna be some kind of a surprise entrant that's going to really get the crowd fired up because the last few years they've done it and, and it could even be something big. You know, I don't, I don't know the oversell it or, or somebody that a you know, crowd favorite returning just for a, you know, a cameo appearance. But I think, uh, I think at the end of the day, it's going to come down to Rollins and McIntyre. I think that's, that's the only way I see this playing out because apparently Cena is out. Heard yes. that the ankle or whatever? Yeah, but it's not a legitimate injury. Apparently, that he was never supposed to be in the Rumble because he's going to be filming a movie, and the original plan was for Lars Sullivan to um, injure him leading up to the Rumble, which would then allow him to film his movie, come back for WrestleMania, and wrestle him. But Lars Sullivan's had some medical issues that's prohibited him from actually making his debut. So now they just came up with a very Glenn 311. Well, John Cena hurt himself while weightlifting. <laughs> <laughs> and he's not going to be able to compete. Yeah. That's all right. We've seen enough of him yeah. lately. Well, you guys yeah. are wronging one of the true greats of our sport, but. Well, hey, it is what it is. He's He's got a bad haircut. He's going bald. <laughs> You know, the five-knuckle shuffle is pretty lame. It is what it is. Certainly not the Glasgow kiss <laughs> by any means. But, yeah, I think it's going to come down to those two. And it, and there's going to be, one, like, one – I don't know if it's going to be our truth coming in at number 30, but there'll be, like, one other, like, surprise. Uh, there's no way they're going to let him win, are they, type type of guy, I would I would – I would imagine. Yeah, usually the way they play out is that that the last, you know, the last six are going to be comprised of at least the three people that you most expect to win. Somebody that's made like a really long run that they're trying to build up for the future, and then yeah, the R truth or the like, what? Why are they even in the ring, person? Yeah. And and sometimes you know sometimes that person is the you know the kind of the inadvertent catalyst to get the the ending sequence started. So do you have any thoughts about the Royal Rumble? I know Dave um, hasn't quite been the same since Monday night's announcement. Oh, the Women's Rumble? Yeah. <clears throat> Alexa Bliss. It's happening. It's happening, guys. <laughs> when that when that music hits, shirt off for me. <laughs> just get It'll ready. It'll be, bl- be a Bliss shirt, though. You probably want to just, you Yeah, know, you might be having your own moment of Bliss at that moment. <laughs> That's right. Could happen. <laughs> this one, I feel like, probably is pretty predictable that they let Becky win it because they have to get her in the main event picture for WrestleMania. Isn't yeah, Becky I, fighting Asuka? 
Yeah, but I'm thinking that they're going to let Asuka win that match because they want Becky to fight against Rousey. So they don't wouldn't probably do champion versus champion, and I don't think there's any way they let Sasha beat Rousey. Now, I don't think they, they can let anybody, Becky, Charlotte, or Rousey, lose before WrestleMania. So I... I th- I think you know Oscar will win, but in some ridiculous fashion. But I don't think anybody's going to take a take a clean beat, and one of them's got to have a belt, and I would assume that would be Rousey because it makes more sense for her to go into WrestleMania having never been beaten when she fights Becky. If you want to build excitement and enthusiasm. Okay. Fair enough. I haven't been keeping up with SmackDown, so I don't know really what's going on between Styles and. Daniel Bryan. They have a pretty funny feud going, but I don't think it's going to ultimately lead to anything big. I think they're they're probably going to send them in way different directions after this, but Daniel Bryan's doing this whole just full-on environmentalist, like annoying, like talking about, you know, recycling. I mean, it's really pretty funny. And then AJ's doing the common man, like I'm one of you, I'm out in the crowd. I'm in, so Daniel Bryan's now exclusively being billed as the new Daniel Bryan, and AJ Styles is what the real AJ Styles now. Yeah. And I think they'll probably put yeah. on a great match, but I don't see the I don't see the title changing hands. Yeah. Which is not the same thing I can say for the Raw Championship. I'm predicting a title change. Really. I'm predicting. Men's or women's. <laughs> I think he's going mint. Well, I don't know. No, I, I don't know if it's decided. He's 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 picking everybody is going to beat Brock Lesnar. Yes, there is. <laughs> there's no chance, man. No, I think it's going to be like when Brock Lesnar fought Goldberg and Finn's going to dispatch of him in under a minute. It's oh just going to be God. sling blade, sling blade, Kudara ring the bell. <laughs> That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Well, let me tell you, let me tell you, if that happens, I will be in the ring. <laughs> like, there will be security removing me from the ring if that happens. I think over the last week or so, I think I've, from a fan perspective, I think I've started to turn a little heel. I think I'm going to root for Brock. Why? I'll, I'll decide in the moment, but... I think I'm just going to do the exact opposite that the majority of the crowd is doing. <laughs> this is unbelievable. I got to think about this. Again, something else I'm praying about. I sent a, uh, <laughs> I sent a note to Mr. Sandwich with a couple of different gifts. <laughs> one of Finn Balor on the ropes and one of Brock Lesnar in his intro and told him just to pray for which one I should choose. <laughs> just to have your, have your thoughts be guided. <laughs> yeah. Where you make a good decision. No, I I think Brock is going to win that because I don't know. I can't get away from WrestleMania as him against either Seth Rollins or Drew. One one of the two. Yeah, I just think back to when Dave was there last year and the crowd had so turned against that whole main event. I know Roman had a big part in that too, but I just I just don't know that they can sell us against. I mean, Brock is looking so old. He's just. Just don't know if you can sell that for another year. So here's another idea that I had. Finn does win on Sunday night and becomes Universal Champion. I like. And what is idea. he known? What is he known for as the 
he's the first Universal Champion, but what else is he known for when he held the title? Shortest reign ever. ever. <laughs> he, he held it for one day. Yes, he literally so he lost Brock. it the next night. Or and surrendered gets, it the next night. At this time, he just gets real cocky and issues the open <laughs> challenge on Raw, and whoever walks out beats him and takes the title after one day. He keeps that it would for be 24 great. hours. He just issues the open challenge and no way Jose walks out, <laughs> beats him clean in the middle. In like a minute. <laughs> and then just conga line dances. All the way to WrestleMania. <laughs> so before we before we <clears throat> segue out of the, the Royal, upcoming Royal Rumble trip, um, who would you guys pick if so if you if you take the the obvious Seth and Drew off the table, what other names do you have out there of people that you'd either like to see win or you can like obviously it'd be hilarious if our truth won, but that's never gonna happen. Like <laughs> no. where's your where's your plausible other winners coming from? So I, I've I've got a couple. Um Samoa Joe, I think. Had a big win on on SmackDown. I'm a big fan of his. I know Dave hates him, but I'm a big fan. I could see I could see maybe you know if they wanted to really do something fresh, different direction. I think he could put on a good matchup at WrestleMania. Could see maybe him being a sleeper in this thing. You see the the problem with the sleeper winning the Rumble now is that they're guaranteed to essentially main event mania and that's why like you know our truth's not gonna win i don't think joe is gonna win because i don't think he main events mania like i think right now baron corbin is getting some of the strongest heel reactions of anyone but at the same point like i'd love to see him win the rumble but he can't main event mania like no one's gonna buy that you know Man, yeah, you just reminded me of something I can't believe I haven't told you guys till right now. I work okay. with a guy named Barry Corbin. <laughs> <laughs> How many vests does he own? Did you like that line from Elias about why you still wear the vest? Yeah, because you got fired. So I'm looking at the confirmed entrance right now. I think if, if, uh, the Dean Ambrose return had gone a lot more smoothly as far as like crowd reaction and stuff. Like, I think they could have taken the intercontinental from him, but you know, if he was still, if the fans were buying into it, he could win this and then he could take on, you know, whoever. And I think that would sell, but I, that hasn't been, that hasn't been the case. I don't think Ray Mysterio is carrying enough momentum right now no i don't see randy orton's name on here no and he actually won it two years ago they'll fill in the remainder they they always leave a lot of ambiguity just so that they give themselves room to kind of paint in whoever they want at the last minute because a lot of the i mean really a lot of the excitement of the rumble as you'll learn when we're there is is just trying to figure out who the heck's coming out next and you know some of those you know nxt guys they're introducing i mean there's always a you know, there's always some outliers. They were saying that the guy that just won the um, the NXT UK title, you know, he may make an appearance. You know, any anybody that they've 
signed recently that they may want to really give a big splash. That's how actually they introduced AJ Styles. You know, his his um, career had lasted a long time in Japan. He was really well known on the, you know, on the for the smart, you know, wrestling fans that were exposed to wrestling outside of WWE. And then, you know, number three hits in the rumble and there he is walking out. People are going nuts and he didn't win, but he makes this, you know, he makes a great run, you know, gets a chance to kind of do what he does. He gets thrown out. So there's, you know, any number of scenarios where that could happen. Um, you know, who knows, you know, who knows what Vince has got up his sleeves. They're pretty good at keeping things quiet when they need to. Yeah. I think there'll be at least, at least one, one big, big surprise. Maybe the rock. Oh, I think, uh, Matt Hardy might, uh, like a jaunt out there. Yeah, I could Dude. see I could see him, you know, they're talking about him returning. Apparently they've totally repackaged Bray Wyatt into a new character. He may show up at this. I think there's you know, there's some people that have been hurt that we haven't seen in a while that maybe come back. We have to keep no our head zigzag. on a swivel out there at Chase Chase Field. No zigzag on the list. Yeah, apparently Zigzag so, may be on his way out of the whole company. So, oh no, his contract is up like in another month, and the WWE, of course, if you believe what you read, approached him about taking more of a leadership role backstage. You know, doing match layouts and production, and not as much yeah. in front of the camera. And he was pretty highly offended by that. So, when this goes down, and I'll probably go and watch like last year's just to get an idea, but. Um, there's one guy in the ring and then somebody else comes out and then like every minute or every See, 90 minutes, seconds. Yeah. 90 seconds. Yeah. So it's counting down just over and over. And when it hits zero and you know, the bagpipes hit and the man <laughs> in the long coat walks out, does he walk out like to his music? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And this okay, is, this so you is get something that's that evolved. Too? Yeah. This has <clears throat> evolved over time because the, you know, if you watch one of the old ones, it's just the, the horn goes off and they run out by last year and the, you know, preceding years. Yeah. It's full on. Like, and if somebody has like a undertaker entrance, like the lights are going out during the match, which is very unstable. <laughs> You're getting the, you know, you'll okay. get an abbreviated version. It's not going to be the elongated, right. you know, three minute, but you'll get the, the music's going to hit the, you know, whatever graphic package goes off. And then, yeah, then they make their way to the ring. And, and I think too, like being that it's at a, at a kind of a unique environment, the whole entrance ramp setup will probably be very different than what the, you know, what they would normally roll out. So I think the whole staging and set could be a pretty cool aspect of this. If you want to watch a really good one, Believe it or not, funny as worlds continue to collide. Watch the one from 2004 where Chris Benoit wins. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> it actually is really one of the best ones uh, just as far as the way it was laid out, how the, how it concludes. You know, they, there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of really good things that happen, and it's never talked about because of, of who ended up winning it. But that's a Do good one. Do you think one. he'll be in this year's? <laughs> Yeah. Did he win it? Indeed. Did he win it by binding someone and then putting his knee in their back and then strangling them? No, he actually he actually slipped somebody a whole bunch of Xanax and then when they passed Man. out, he threw them out of the ring. 
I'm gonna find strategy. more. Po- I'm gonna find more, more podcasts to recommend to you, so you become as disturbed as the Dude, rest of us. I was horrified the whole time I was listening to that, but also felt bad for as many times as I laughed. <laughs> that's that's the nature of, that's the nature of that show. So, um, okay, we haven't gotten to True Detective yet. Obviously, I know that, but can I? take you to br- very briefly to a new segment i'd like to debut entitled glenn's tool shed <laughs> let's hear it can i say no i mean do i even have the option to say no i guess i could no. edit it out you would know you wouldn't know about it till till it was yeah, too late I'd be like, Man, i feel like i feel like i talked about the tool shed that wasn't in there did i not do that so this is very brief but this past saturday was a a big day my oldest is in the cub scouts and it was uh, it was Pinewood Derby weekend. So this is not like Pinewood Derby cars that you like sit in and it has steering and all that. It's the smaller one. You set it up on the track. It you know whatever. Is this the one where they just give you the, the like kind of block of wood to yes. start and you have to fashion it into some type of Tell modified? Me you remember to to drill and put weights in the front of it. Oh yeah, we okay. We we knew we knew what we're doing. Okay, so basically, um, you we, did what John Candy did that got him banned from the Olympics forever. <laughs> you hid weights in the front of the sled. And actually, uh, what we did was there's like this this guy. It sounds so seedy. There's a guy with a bus. What you do is you you pay a fee, you take your block of wood, and he's got all the stuff there for you to be able to to cut it, cut it and drill and and get it all ready just within his like rolling shop essentially. Wait a minute, so you're telling me you didn't have all the tools? I'm shocked. A guy no, a noted no. handyman like Glenn three eleven doesn't have all the necessary woodworking tools to make this happen. Not with the efficiency that it would require. I, I don't think I'd be able to to take care of it with the handsaw that I have. I mean, the segment I, should be called "Glenn Goes to Someone Else's Tool Shed." <laughs> well, pretty much. So my biggest fear in this whole thing was that I would just completely screw it up, and then my kid would just be looking at me like, "You are a moron." So I was like super careful. He picked out the pattern and the uh, what we had. It looked, he thought it looked like the Batmobile. I don't know. It kind of looked like a, uh, not quite an open wheel car, but you know, that's it, it didn't pick like the pattern where it looked like a truck or anything like that. It kind of looked like maybe like something Bobo Brown would be driving. I think that's fair. So. So we get there, and the guy, there's probably eight kids, and their dad are there. And the guy who runs this place, he's like, okay, here's what we're going to do. You know, here are the rules. There's no goofing around. There's no horseplay. <laughs> you know, we're take our time and blah, 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 blah. And um, he runs through, like, all of the stuff. Like, I'm just holding a block of wood in my hand, okay? And the first thing, which is a great bit, he's like, we have everything here that we need. So I need you to take the, you know, the piece of wood out of out of the box and it's got like some wheels and stuff and you you organize that just holding this piece of wood and he goes all right now take that box and take the instructions that come with the box and put them in that trash can right there because we don't need them i'm like 
all right, I like where this is going. He proceeds to explain, it's not a convoluted process, but I mean, there's several steps. Explain like all the steps, it seemed like within like a minute. And then he's like, all right, well, I'm here to help everybody, but uh, go ahead and just get to it. Now, meanwhile, I think 75% of the dads, their kids were a little older, so they've done this like multiple times. And I'm just like, all right, I remember what the first step was. <laughs> Cut the piece of wood into the pattern. I can't remember anything after that. So I'm kind of like, I'm kind of looking around and like, all right, what do I do next? And then a few minutes later, it dawns on me that right above like the station that we're at, all the instructions are printed out like top to bottom. Wow. So we get we get through it. Um, car gets finished. We're all good. He even kind of like inspects it for you on the way out, just to make sure he, you know wants satisfied customers. He's like, man, everything looks great. This is gonna this is gonna do fine. We had one unfortunate event during the week, <laughs> where the kid was holding the car and it, and somebody opened a door and it got hit and it fell on the ground. Oh no! It that, knocked it out of alignment. Well, I think it damaged one of the wheels. Because we had three wheels that, you know, you spin it and it'll just go and go and go. And we had one that spin a little bit and I couldn't figure out how to take a wedge out of it. Oh, no. <laughs> it, was just too, it was too tight. So we ended up third in our division. It's not bad. Um, I don't know if that was out of three, <laughs> but he got, he got a medal for being third in the division. And... I think overall there were about 40 entries and our average time, we were almost in the top half. We, we were like the 22nd fastest car. So considering I built this thing, there are 18 dads that should be completely ashamed of themselves, <laughs> in my opinion. So a couple questions. The mobile creation station bus. Yes. What, what, what kind of dollar amount are we talking about to take use of this service um i didn't pay for it i think it was like 40 bucks so who paid for it no no, no. i mean my wife paid oh for okay it. I, I, it's like so you you ripped this guy off too <laughs> yeah i held kinda, him at gunpoint kind of went in there and pulled the pulled a little like uh, shell game on. i'm like oh yeah no uh my uh, wife's gonna pay you and she'll yeah. be here in a minute and paypal this and next thing you know you got a free car and yeah, then, two, how many down, of the the 40 competitors were also on this bus with you? I mean, did, was this something that they encouraged you to do, or was this something you sought out to gain a competitive advantage? No, they made it known that it was available, and the guy was set up. Um, are you familiar with uh, where Love and War in Texas is, right oh, off yeah. 75? Yeah, I am. So back there, there used You're to be the like fries. a yeah, there used to be a sports authority back there. Yes, say hard sports it, authority. It's now a year-round open haunted house, which is another thing that I was like, <laughs> that exists? How is that viable? And anyway, his bus was just parked in that parking lot. So to quickly deviate, do you think, like if you went to like an executive leadership team meeting of sports authority, like as they're just going under, that they would be just even more defeated to learn that, their store was replaced by a 24 7 365 haunted house and they're able to stay in business where sports authority couldn't sell enough uh roller skates and tennis yeah. shoes to make it work 
Yeah, it was replaced by Dark Hours Haunted House. That sounds like my kind of place. It's not like that massage place we went to. <sighs> yeah. I just feel really bad. Was it the same day when you went and found that homeless guy? It's like, I need my $40 back. <laughs> Sorry about your dog, but I got a Pinewood Derby. You know what? I have not. I saw that guy the next day. No dog. I haven't seen him since. But he, he'll he's he'll be there. If that dog's not there and I stop, I'm going to roll down the window and be like, where's your dog at? I need answers. If you do that right. and you do not first push record on your voice recorder on your phone, then you're off the podcast permanently. Okay. That's a fireable offense. So did you paint this Pinewood Derby car? Yeah, it was painted red. It was But did it, you paint I, it as part of the process or it came to you yeah. painted red? No, 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 no. You you paint it as part of the process and then they give you you can buy a little some merch, some stickers and decals to put on it. Did you get which, like the sixty nine? No, my son chose the theme that was all like skulls and flames. Oh yeah, that's great. Which I I named his car, his car the Skull Crushing Finale, which <laughs> he didn't quite get that, but I got a kick out of it. That, that's actually oh, brilliant. So it's looking good. So next year, next year we're gonna try to get we're going for top ten. Yeah, and it's next year just don't drop it, and I think you got top ten locked down. I really think that's uh. Pretty accurate. I mean, unless Ken Schrader's lurking in another lane on that track and mm-hmm. just puts you into the wall. I was just glad, as always. I was just, I was just happy to finish. I was really, <laughs> I was really worried that when they, you know, they they hit the button and you know the cars released down the track that ours was going to get about two thirds of the way and then just fart and fall down. But no, all the way through every time. And that's the first trip out to the tool shed. So this will be a weekly segment of me repairing and fixing and making things. I can't wait. I, like for, I can't wait for the next one. <laughs> next one is, it's just going to get into, yep. Uh, I mowed my yard again this week. <laughs> Pretty much it. Yep. The mower started. I didn't have to mix the gas and oil together or anything. It just, it just worked. It was amazing. It always does. Okay, so uh, to the entire point of the uh, episode. So we're yeah, we're almost to fifty-five-zero minutes in, and we're just now getting to the show. But I will say, while I absolutely enjoyed the episode, I did find this one to be a little bit slower, and in my opinion, not as much happened as had happened in the previous two. Would you guys agree with that sentiment? I would. Yeah, I think there's plenty of uh, plenty of setup here. Yeah. Now the scene, the show did start it with a scene that I know for a fact has happened to Point Break Dave several times. Um, not so much me. I, Glenn will have to ask if it's happened to you. But the um, Purple Haze and his his uh, wife were sitting out front of a Walgreens, <laughs> and he wanted to stay there. And she wanted to go find a hotel and have sex all night. And drink and all drink. night. So I know that that's like a normal Friday or Saturday occurrence for Dave because he's got a, a an affinity for Walgreens. Has that ever <laughs> happened to you, Glenn? Has your wife ever suggested that as the course of action for a weekend night? No, she despises my presence, especially after 
after the incident that occurred here earlier, like 10 minutes into the podcast, I'm, when I open this door, the furniture will probably be gone. Oh, no. Just my clothes on the floor. Oh, goodness. <clears throat> so Purple Haze has figured out that, um, and of course, we're going to be jumping on this episode, especially jumps a lot back and forth in the different time periods. But in the uh, in the 1990 version, he he's you know they figured out through the deposition process that the fingerprints of um, the Purcell girl uh, were found in Walgreens, and there is potentially more information to be gathered, which will cover in a minute because um i guess his wife at the time is actually quite useful in uh, helping procure the information they needed but very quickly after that scene where uh, that we just detailed um we go back to the 2015 version where there's some memory challenges uh we're not gonna lie hey who's the guy that plays his son what has he been in he looks so familiar he does um, look familiar, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't I don't know either. I have to get on IMDb for that. But they're meeting with a neurologist because you know, if you recall at the end of the last episode, he was out wandering around Shoepick Whoa, Shoeprick Shoeprick or Shoepick? <laughs> uh, street. Just street. A street. Be safe. He's out wandering around the street and you don't you know, you don't really understand why, but apparently, you know, his son found him after that episode and um and they're meeting with a neurologist. And he has probably my favorite line in the entire episode during this scene. Do you guys remember what this was? Uh, <laughs> if you put me in a home, I'll kill myself. Yeah. Remember that. Write that down as you're getting older and your boys are bitter that you never were able to deliver what Victory Lane and the Pinewood Derby. They're thinking about going and sending you out to the home as you just keep in mind. Guys, put me in a home. I'll kill myself. Wow. And we know what he's got in the drawers. He can do it. Yeah, I feel like that's pretty irresponsible of the son to uh, allow him such close access to guns. It's because if we learned anything from Chris Benoit, if you've got degenerative brain disease, you don't need to be around weapons. Or lap pull down machine. Oh, that, that's yeah. Goodness. Do, do we have to go into that? That they they found that. I don't know if it was in the time frame after he had killed his wife or before he had started to kill his family that he had been googling quickest ways to kill yourself. Well, I and think I it was even worse than that. I think it was quickest ways to break your neck. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah it was break your neck. So I don't know if it had a, just in case you've got a lat pull down. <laughs> anyway, have you ever our been doing apologies to the Benoit family? Have you ever been doing like a particularly heavy set of lat pull downs, and you know you kind of go for that last one, and you get it about you know here, and you realize it's not going to happen, and then you just let it all go. Like, man, there's a there's a pretty pretty swift opposite reaction there. I could see that working. You set that up correctly. Yeah, I could see that being the, the least top three in the quickest ways to do it. And the weight stack he had probably went all the way to the ceiling. You know, this is not, it doesn't go to like 150. He didn't have the Lincoln Hawks like weight stack that you could carry around on the passenger seat of your car. You think he did a little more heavy lifting than that? I, I would 
I would imagine so. He he Googles it, and option one is take a falcon arrow, and he's like, well, it's just me. You can't do that. What's option two? Okay, back to the show. So so where Indeed. were we? So after um after that they cut back to I think they go back to the original when he Hayes, Detective Hayes, puts together that hey, the kid they said they were gonna go meet basically says he never hangs out with them. So then they go back and they hear from the parents like, oh yeah, they hung out all the time. So that kind of opens up the doorway of, well, this is whatever the kids are doing that they've been lying to their parents about has been going on for some time. Right. And, and the kids at least know that whatever they were doing is not on the up and up enough to where they feel like they can't share with the parents what they were actually doing. So they go search the house again. Yes. The Purcell's house. What did you, the little like square post-it note type notes, what was your take on those? Because I had my own. I mean, my my take at a high level, and I haven't read anything specific about the notes, so I'm sure somebody's probably analyzed the language, but it looked like somebody trying to groom a child for, you know, some some kind of a brainwashing uh, yeah brain you know basically brainwashing to get you know convince them to leave with them or imprison them in some way you know because it was all about you know i i'm not that bad i'm you know it's it, just the things that you would tell somebody to kind of gain that control but that that's about as far as i got with it okay maybe i don't i didn't see i guess i didn't key in on the i'm not that bad one the ones i were keyed in on were like don't listen i'll protect you Right, I think it's all in that same conditioning vein. Okay, right? yeah. I thought it might be, we might go real innocent, and that was basically the brother passing her notes through the hole, like when the parents were fighting. That hole wasn't that big. You could roll it up. Yeah, I, I, I'm with Dave on this one. Yeah, but if you, and then you unroll, I, I feel like the, the, the papers were too... They weren't mangled enough to be rolled through holes. That's my forensic opinion. All right. Your your opinion doesn't hold up. I, I purple, could see purple haze Glenn. rolled through holes being a really strong contender for episode title here. So then we go search through Will's room, and they're looking at a map. They are. They are. They see a map that he has drawn, which I, you know... I'm bad with maps, but he even had like the elevation portion of the map detailed. He's like yeah. 12. He's like a junior cartographer. I know. Like that was, I actually didn't pay attention to the rest of it because I was just <laughs> looking at that, that part. And so I, I don't know if it had like great detail as to where exactly it was. Um, but of course, they can always just go back to the fact that Purple Haze was was in recon. Yeah. So he can just find anything. <sighs> like I know exactly where this is. Yeah, and and what he stumbled upon was the murder scene. And probably much like point date break Dave's murder scene, the first thing he found near him were dice. <laughs> we didn't well, even get good. It was a death scene. We're assuming it was a murder. What if he just slipped and hit his head? Ooh. 
That's interesting. You think that would because... be an unsatisfying finale is if they if he just slipped, hit his head, and then just landed in the perfect position with his hands folded? So what if um Mr. Purcell is not the father of either one of these kids? They were sneaking out to the woods to meet with their real father who had tracked them down. There has been uh some doubt cast on the uh fatherhood of Mr. Purcell. Yes. By his own so, parents. Yes. Right. So the kids they're playing, you know, he brings his toys <laughs> out there. Maybe this guy, you know, her mom had told that I well, she probably wouldn't say anything about a real father. I don't know. He had some bad reputation with the kids, so he's giving them notes that he's not that bad. Kid slips and falls, hits his head, they panic. He's like, I'll put him out in this cave. Nobody, nobody can ever find a cave. <laughs> and uh, I don't feel great about leaving him here. So if I put his hands in a, in a position I'm more comfortable with, I feel better about it. We'll get Julie and get out of here and we'll disappear forever. Just a theory. I'm, I had a similar theory, but not involving a potential different dad. There's one big flaw in my theory, though. <laughs> the major okay. the major flaw in my theory is I think it was pretty it was outlined in the episode that the kid died there but the original cave where they found him was not in the near proximity or at least not like right there okay do you get that feeling I mean just from the landscape surrounding it it didn't feel like yeah, the, the body like was clearly moved. There. Yeah. And staged, posed. See, my theory involved sister who probably couldn't deadweight a body. But he falls, she panics, poses him in this because we find out later the pose was from his Catholic was it baptism or something? Yeah. We are not a faith based podcast. We do not know about such things. <laughs> So she poses him like that, thinking, okay, this will help him. And then she freaks out and runs away because she doesn't want to explain. And then 10 years later, she goes and shops at a Walgreens. 10 years later, she needs some, some Colgate and uh, Diet Coke and goes and shops at a Walgreens. So in, so in 1980, we found at least the death scene or site. I mean, if not... Right. The murder site. And there's um, a house right there. With a super racist guy that lives there. Who's <laughs> <laughs> apparently been interviewed already by someone who at least posed as a police officer. He didn't really say that he was. Right, and sure. I think there's got to be more that plays out there. That, that if, that's the, if that is, in fact, the killer that goes there to make sure that this guy didn't see anything amiss, but you know, he, he identified a, a brown car. He identified a black man and a white woman that were driving around in the car. So the fact that he's shared all this information with potentially the killer, he must have it figured completely wrong because I think if that's pertinent case information, he's probably dead. So th are those clues just, are those clues just intentionally meant to be misleading because that doesn't go on or is that guy the killer the guy uh, in the house yeah because i mean isn't it convenient to craft a very 
or a detailed enough suspect that's not you can't get much more not you than a black guy since he's a racist white guy <laughs> in a very specific vehicle. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just let's just keep Did, our, keep our eye on that. Did we find anything weird about when they find they find the Dungeons and Dragons dice? They seem like two just like on top of the leaves. I feel like oh. if they'd been out there a few days, that that in uh, Detective Point Break Dave thought that might be a miss. Yeah, I thought that was a little. I suppose. Yeah, I thought that was a little odd, but. Uh, I don't know. I think the emphasis was just that you just saw them. Yeah. Oh, side note, speaking of Detective Point Break Dave, when they go in the little, uh, you know, they kind of have their war room, task force room, I think I could do well <laughs> as a detective because I think you could just you could just really mail it in, right? Like, you kind of sit there with a box on your desk. You go up and look at the little pegboard for a little while, like you're <laughs> thinking, and then you go sit down. You never actually come up with anything, but people think, like, ah, oh, next time you'll get them. You, man, you were working so hard. You were right like there. Those pegboard scenes are such give-ups. They write the yeah. stupidest stuff on those cards. They write, like, motive, question mark. And stuff. Yeah, like, how is that, that useful? Yeah, like, I, I picked up on that. that. One time they went up there, and I think it was Roland, and he just wrote, wrote like, why was she here type of thing? And I was just like, is that something we're going to forget? Do you think that's the thing that like real honest to goodness police officers watch on police shows and just go like, we've literally never done that. Like no police station in America has ever done that. And they do it in, in tons of cop shows. The index cardboard the... with the pictures and the arrows and the X's through people that are dead. Like nobody does that, right? Or they have like the strings that are connecting <laughs> yes! everything like yes! all over the place. Nobody does well, that. If you watch the first 48, which is supposed to be a real cop show, these detectives would have given up on this case about two days ago. Because <laughs> that's what those detectives do. They're like, well, okay. we're never figuring this out. So. That was Monday. It's Wednesday. Forget it. We're, we're so, moving on. I was just looking at this from the standpoint of maybe just covering everything from the 1980 thread and then go to then 1990 and then 2015. Um, but the, there was two other things that I had noted for one, they, they search the house and they buy, they find what the, like the folder and those little notes and everything in Julie's room was in a bag from Hoyt foods, which turns out was a place that their mom worked for a while. So and, they go visit there yeah, and the place that's coughing up the reward. Yes. And the CEO or the founder has a history of like his granddaughter had been kidnapped mm -hmm. or or maybe killed. I can't remember if it was if it was that or not. So there's a history there within this small town. Plus they obviously seem very concerned about maybe it's a small town thing, but the child of an employee who just used to work there at some point in time like in in basically Cam Newton's best friend role of like six tears down. Yeah, I don't think Lucy Purcell, anywhere she was working, was making a very big impact on the company. 
Yeah, it seems like someone they wouldn't even remember. I bet she had an impact. I bet you couldn't walk from that guy's office to the chicken line without running into 20 guys. She, (laughs) 20 potential fathers for those kids. And then the other thing I wanted to cover from from the 1980 thread is is Trash Man. Oh man, Trash Man did not have a good episode because the town has turned against him. They've they've uh, and this is what this is what dumb white people will do. They will find the person that doesn't look and act like them, and they will track them down and beat the hell out of them and tell them to get out of town. Yes, with baseball bats, nonetheless. Not sure how to phrase this. I feel like it was kind of a give up. Like I was expecting a lot worse beating. Yeah, it was kind of like an old school WCW beatdown where everybody was holding a bat, but nobody was really using it. Yeah, like because you could have easily, you could have easily like ended the man's life or or potentially crippled. But he really only took a couple of hit, a couple of hits across the back with the bat. Nothing that would probably jeopardize his. Uh, like if that beatdown happened in the first hour of Raw, he could come out in the main event. He, he could, could do he a could run still in. enter the Rumble. Yeah, drag he himself did. out to the ring, kick him in the ribs a few times, and put a gun directly to his face. So it's not, <laughs> it's not like they just kind of messed up his hair and said, "Hey, don't come back." <laughs> so they beat the hell out of him. It shows him later on going into his tool shed, which is basically his entire property. <laughs> and getting a bag which looks a whole lot like it has a small human body in it. Yes. But most likely has a small arsenal in it, if you want my prediction. So this is my theory on that. Is I, I want This is my closing the 1980 thread from this episode. So did you guys see the, like the preview for episode four at all? Yes. No. Okay, so there's a... They show Trash Man and... He's being chased by these same guys again, but I feel like he's what is in that bag is an, an arsenal. And I'm reminded of the, the final scene of Breaking Bad with the the trunk machine gun, is that he's he's gonna bait these guys, send them on a chase. He's gonna run around like some corner or building or something, and when they're in their their single cab pickup with their six shooters they're going to turn a corner and they're going to be facing like an rpg and he is going to blow them straight to hell i i think i think uh i think you're exactly right on that glenn so maybe an rpg mounted to a (laughs) go-kart we we talked about this last episode but if they hadn't already in the way they're telling the story given away that the girl's alive wouldn't that scene have been way more impactful when he's bringing that bag out yeah yeah you would at least have the question of the doubt yeah oh my god yeah we know it's not her so i mean yeah i mean i guess you could introduce another dead child but why would you do that that doesn't make much sense yeah but no i i agree that that was one that i think not having that information would have made that quite a bit more dramatic so is there anything else from the the first well, the, timeline? No, the only I, thing, I think... And we kind of talked about it was they find the photo album that has the picture of the kid yeah, the exact sure. way he was posed. Sure. No, I, Which, I, I'm more interested right now in going to 1990. Yeah, so Roland is a big part of this yeah, thread. Yeah, I like Roland's hair in 1990. It looks better. Yeah, things look like they're going pretty well for Roland. It looks like he's assumed a position of power he's working behind a desk which is the goal of all cops except Vic Mackey 
<laughs> and he and and Hayes, he says they're still friends, but they haven't really talked since they no, they're not stopped speaking. working. Not together. not in a not in a definitive way. Just they've drifted apart. Yeah, but he just says, you know, some friends are just like that. Yeah. So, but what Roland does that that baffled me as I'm watching the show is he went to visit Tom Purcell. I had no idea that was Tom Purcell. I'm like looking yeah, at him. I was about I'm to like, say, wait a minute, who is this guy? Yeah, it took me a good 30 seconds into that scene, maybe longer, where I was like, oh, that's the dad. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I recognize him. Yeah. So let me ask if this ever happens to you guys. I, I think it happens to most guys, but let me ask you. So I'm, I, I watch a lot of, you know, edgier shows. And there's moments in shows when you're in the middle of a scene and you're watching it and you're just like, oh man, some gay stuff is about to happen here. I know it. <laughs> and for some reason, I was getting that vibe the whole time that scene was going on. Like, I was like, they're about to kiss. Like, something whoa, gay is going to happen. Whoa. Here. Did you got, was this just me? I Did... thought you were about to say something else, but uh, no, I, I didn't get that vibe. Well, I had fact, that was... vibe big time. Now, now, that never happened in this scene, but I was just getting this weird vibe between the two of them. That there was some some homosexual activity that was about to take place in that scene. Uh, Mister Mister Purcell has found the Jesus. No, he has, and in fact, he. Uh, it's always kind of again as a faith based podcast. Is it not a red flag like when somebody has like the huge cross like right above their couch like in a TV show? It's always it a, always just an indicator that yeah things maybe something's not quite going as right as we think. Unless it's a huge photo or poster of Nikki Cross, <laughs> and then you're okay. It says, "Let's no, play." On you're it. not okay with that. But we find out that Roland, uh, he stood by Mister Tom Purcell, helped him through some hard times. Yeah, I thought that was a pretty, pretty good. Speaks well of Roland's character that he, you know, throughout all these, you know, ten years, he stood by made sure tom was okay and then we also find out that lucy his wife um well she's dead she died oh, in dear. vegas two years ago of course well, it was uh, vegas yes. why I, like couldn't they have come up with something a little more creative like at least atlantic city or something you know come on durant yeah. oklahoma. durant oklahoma <laughs> she, she was found in a dumpster outside the choctaw <laughs> along with six other bodies yeah. All but, right. So uh, 1990. Yeah. He also knows that that Julie is still alive. Yes. So that like, that news is just broken, and he has that, and he doesn't really know what to think. Like, right. I think and, he's he's I happy, think, but I think this storyline is about to get real interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Because we also find, um, they're outside the Walgreens. Hayes's marriage is not going great, but. <laughs> His his wife, who is writing or has written her book, I can't remember if she'd finished it or not, but she's definitely getting involved in this whole investigation and or making money off of, uh, you know, the the 1980 early 80s events, and she volunteers to uh go talk to the detectives currently working on the case. Yeah, get a little in, squeeze a little info out of them. Yes, and how better to squeeze? <laughs> oh, good. So say how better to squeeze info out of somebody than uh, using your human sexuality to do so. And while she's doing that, that leaves Purple Haze to take the kiddos to Walmart. 
always a dicey proposition and gives you the glimpse that work a case like that it sticks with you man yeah in your head you turn around and your your daughter's not right behind you and you will lose your mind pretty quickly (laughs) yeah and we thought for a split second this is where the daughter was going to exit and be the event that they didn't want to remind him of in right. age because they're he and his son are going along and they found I don't remember what they found that it, it was chips or toilet paper or something that the kid was like hey let's get this it was probably chips then but <laughs> in the background that like the daughter's there and then all of a sudden it was just like she just disappeared like a mirage just out of the out of the picture and I was like she's gone that's it they're never finding her again. But after he panics and then has tells security to shut down the whole store and not <laughs> let anybody out, daughter rolls up and he has a few stern words, yeah, I would maybe, say. Maybe he should have tempered the language a little bit for young ears and didn't get any of his groceries. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which I feel like at that point, like your your child's missing for less than probably three minutes. Probably go ahead and finish your shopping on that trip. I know I would. Absolutely. And then I think that um, really kind of takes yeah, us to it. the takes us to the end. Uh, well, the only other Purple thing Haze we is get sitting there... in the bar, and and Roland yeah. walks in, 1990, and he says, "Hey, I mean, this is this is really where we're going to go from here. I I don't know there'll be as many 80s flashbacks now." Mm-hmm. As he says, "Hey, we're reopening the case. Um, you know, new information new has come to light, and you know, they kind of give the impression that." Uh, Wayne is Purple Haze. Wayne is probably pretty much a full-blown alcoholic at this point. Right. And um, he says, hey, do you want to be a detective again? And he says, yeah. And then uh, the uh, the theme of Seamus hits. And uh, <laughs> so... they get up and they both do, they both do this, <laughs> like kind of pointing at each other and uh, <laughs> fade to black. But I would, I would say with... Uh... Roland's character, higher position in the, uh, you know, from a, I guess, detective standpoint or whatever, but you can tell, like, his character is more authoritative. Like, he walks into that bar, and, you know, before, you know, he's he's a bold character, but he wasn't really telling people what to do. It was more Hayes that was pushing people around, and he's kind of there. Well, he walks into that bar, and he tells the... uh, he tells the bartender he wants, you know, some some southern comfort, and the guy's basically not, not going to serve him unless he can tell him what what war he served in. He was like, "Where'd you serve?" He just turns. He just goes, "Listen, mf'er, I need three fingers of soco, like right effing now." It just sits down. I'm like, all right, I like Roland. Yeah, this guy's going places. So Roland, the only thing Roland's growing on me that Hayes's wife found out. I we may have already mentioned it. I think I did, but. The, the key information was that they found Julie's fingerprints, but it was just on like a shelf where like they sell the makeup. Right. So, so not not looking like she was involved in the robbery or the crime, but but just that by happenstance, they might have figured out that she was at the store. Yeah. And and the big thing that's been referenced is the thing that happened between or involving Julie and her father in 1990. So I feel like that's where we got the new task force. And what happened in 1990? The only, the only other thing is going to 2015 is 
old Hayes is in his study or whatever, and he has like the vision of his wife sitting behind yeah, him. Well, which is weird. well, before that, the uh, news or the footage, whatever he's doing, the TV show, or it actually right. looks pretty spare. It looks like he's on like tell me where to turn. <laughs> no, no, this came to mind is what they're doing. Those interviews in 2015 are very much like I've listened to a few kind of true crime podcasts where they go back for something that happened, whether it's a handful of years ago or 30 years ago and kind of look into the investigation and, you know, they pick it apart in hindsight of what could have been asked and what wasn't looked into and stuff like that. And some of those are interesting and some of them just kind of, they just raise questions. They never really answer anything, but they just raise questions. That's where I feel like this thing is going yeah. in, this, in this fictional scenario too. I think that's what led to him having the vision. It kind of worked him up that he botched the case yeah. essentially. Yeah. But the her, the vision that he has, his wife mentions something about, are you going to tell him what you left behind there? So he finds something that he doesn't share. Yes. And I don't know if it's like Roland's driver's license was out there. Or... <laughs> and is that, I mean, we still don't know why, why he, at the end of episode two, when he was on the street in his bathrobe at night, is there something still there? Uh, no, that's good. Uh, that's a good point. No, these are... I don't know. These are questions that are going to be answered in the coming weeks, but I'm. This is what podcasts do. We raise questions and yeah. we don't answer them. Well, we'll answer it when we get down to like episode eight and they've tied it all up. Yeah. And be like, oh, we saw this coming the whole way. Yeah, we knew it the the uh, the whole time is Braun Strowman and Chris Benoit. <laughs> Music playing